Good day, brothers and sisters, and welcome to New Creation Realities. And we're going to go ahead and continue with our lessons in Christ. And before we do, I just wanted to make an announcement. We're blessed by having Julie Ray here with us during this time. <clears throat> and so that's a tremendous blessing in the Lord, just getting to share with her with what the Lord puts on her heart. And the fellowship is sweet in Christ. So I just want to make that announcement. I want to thank her for coming and thanking the Lord for allowing her to be here during this time. So <clears throat> I want to go ahead and continue with our lessons. And what I'd like to do for, for this lesson is look at some passages concerning the church in Christ. <clears throat> Excuse me. And before I do, I'd just like to make a mention of a couple things that that I believe will, will lead up to uh, those passages that I searched out. And for one, or first off, God can use anything of the natural creation to testify of his son. He can use anything. In the book of Genesis, God creates a creation, which is the one that you see with your natural eyes, hear with your natural ears, you can touch and feel by the natural senses, made aware of by the natural senses. But <clears throat> in the book of Genesis, he creates this entire creation with one purpose, to testify of his son. And so God can take anything from this creation to do just that. And he does, and I'm thankful that he does, because he's the one who knows what it is, what, what's required, what, what it takes to get the attention of our heart. And <clears throat> I do want to say this also, the more perfect testimony is the scriptures. This is the more perfect testimony that God himself has given unto us, more perfect than even this natural creation the scriptures themselves, all right? In, in Deuteronomy and Exodus, there's, I don't know if I'll read them or not, but basically the Lord is telling the children of Israel, he's basically saying, and it's right after he announces what we would call, what we consider the Ten Commandments. And he says, well, let me go ahead and read it. it it'll, it'll just... Take a moment. This is Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, I'll just start with verse 6. Well, I'll, I'll start with verse 4. And basically, it's like declaring what we call the Ten Commandments. <clears throat> verse 4 of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Lord, or excuse me, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, verse 6, we'll read verse 6 through 9. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be, excuse me, they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. 
basically having the scriptures, the Ten Commandments, ever before you. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the more perfect, the most perfect testimony that God has given are the scriptures themselves. And even in reading this, and our first thought of is, you know, the Ten Commandments. Here comes Moses down the mountain, having spoken with God, God himself with his own finger writing these Ten Commandments down to present to the body of Israel. There's three verses that I know of that do not describe the Ten Commandments as commandments, but as the testimony, the tables of testimony, the tablets of testimony. And so here our Lord is presenting to his body to have the testimony ever before them to teach this testimony to their children and that their children would teach this exact same testimony to their children to have this the the testimony on on their hands on their on their wrists uh, as frontlets they would dangle scripture before their eyes I mean, it sounds kind of crazy <laughs> if you think about it just visually. Wow, there's someone walking around and there's scripture hanging in front of their eyes. Almost like blinders on the doorposts of their house for when they come in and on their gates for when they leave. So having the scripture ever before them. But it's all with purpose because the scripture is the perfect testimony of Christ. God, by His Spirit, using that testimony to direct our heart to the very person Himself. Using the Scripture to direct our heart and bring our heart unto the very person Himself. So, <clears throat> I wanted to just mention that. Another passage that I wanted to mention is one that, one that we all know. Uh, it's the Transfiguration. This is Matthew chapter 17, and verses 1 through 8. And I, I love this. Now, after six days, and before I read any further, God created the natural creation in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. It was done. A full creation created to testify of his son. And on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Verse 3, And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here if you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, do not be afraid. When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And I've heard several different things concerning uh, Moses and Elijah. I think it's another gospel. It says they, they spoke concerning his departure, his, basically his crucifixion. 
his death, burial, and resurrection. And uh, one of the things that I do want to mention that I have read before is that here you have Jesus, and here you have the law and the prophets. The law testified by Moses, uh, the prophets testified by Elijah, the law and the prophets. And with Peter, it's almost as if this is all what it's all about. Moses, I mean, Jesus, Moses, Elijah. And then God the Father just kind of makes everything clear. Moses and Elijah exist because of Christ the Son. They, they exist because of the substance, Christ the Son. And so here you have Peter saying, well, let's make three tabernacles. And he's all excited, and wouldn't we all be? And yet God says, these exist to serve purpose. And this bright cloud, where does it say it? Uh, while he was still speaking, verse 5, Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And see, God the Father uses the testimony, the scriptures, Moses and Elijah, to testify of his Son. When the testimony has served its perfect work in our hearts, whereby the Holy Spirit can use it to direct our heart unto Christ, God the Father, at that moment, He doesn't testify of His Son. He declares His Son. He declares the person, the substance, the very person of which Moses and Elijah, the, enti the entirety of the Scriptures, testify. And I love this. <clears throat> When the disciples hear this, they fall on their faces and are greatly afraid. Jesus comes, touches them, and says, Arise, and do not be afraid. And I love this verse 8. When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And that is the end of the Scriptures. Or, I don't want to say like the end, but like the goal of the Scriptures if, if you could personify the voice of Moses, the law, and the voice of Elijah, the prophets, if you could personify the voice of the Old Testament, the entirety of the scriptures, you would hear something like this. Behold the Lamb of God. This is exactly what John the Baptist said, the, the last prophet before Christ appeared. In fact, the prophet that introduced Christ to the world. And he's... His, Declaration is, his whole entire ministry is summed up with this. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And then the next day he says, behold the Lamb of God. And this, my brothers and sisters, is what it is all about. The heart being directed and brought by the Spirit of God unto a person, the person of his Son. So, <clears throat> that being said... God uses the perfect testimony found in the Scriptures to bring unto His perfect Son. John chapter 14, verse 20, once again, our principal verse. Jesus says, Jesus speaking to His disciples, At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. 
And he says at that day, and that day is a particular day. It is separate from all natural days, plural. But he speaks of a particular day of which they will indeed in their hearts come to. And he's not only that, but he's equating their knowing with that day. Until then, they don't know. But what is, what, is it, what is it really that they don't know? I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And once again, my brothers and sisters, we cannot, I mean, I have a diagram behind me, and that comes so short of our relationship, of the relationship that we have been brought to as believers in the person of Christ. I mean, even the diagram comes so short of it. The, the most perfect example Jesus could give is the vine and the branches. And that comes short of the reality of the person himself. Just think of the, the Queen of Sheba when she came to Solomon, finally comes to Solomon. She hears the testimony of Solomon and of the glory of Solomon. She hears this perfect testimony. And when she's finally comes, when she's finally brought before the person himself, she says, the half was not told me. You exceed the whole entire thing. Everything that they've told me, you exceed it. This is our Lord. Exceeds everything. And there's no knowing of him until this day. I didn't make it this way. The Lord himself declares it. With, with the knowing that we have, even in these lessons, our knowing is still man's knowing below. It's, it's my knowledge. It's your knowledge. Brothers and sisters, it's the knowledge of Adam. Everybody has this natural knowledge. By natural knowledge, God is not known. Jesus walked with his disciples three and a half years amongst the Jews, amongst the crowds, and nobody knew him. I mean, he was there in their midst and nobody knew him. God himself had to make him known. It was God's knowledge being made known unto those who were present. And so it is even to this day. That's why the Spirit of God, using the perfect testimony of the Scriptures, must direct and bring our heart in knowledge, from the knowledge of man below, which is complete darkness, unto the knowledge of God above, who is Christ His Son, light, the day, the eternal day, the eternal light, who Christ Himself is. So we can't try to figure it out, that out. The most we can do is present it to the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would do whatever it takes in our hearts to bring us unto this which Jesus Himself declared. All right, in our previous lesson, because uh, these two passages will continue to lead up to these, the next verses. In our previous lesson, we looked at Exodus chapter 19, verses 1 through 4. And we also looked at John chapter 14, 1 through 3. And once again, just concerning the testimony, because I have a note here that I jotted down. And I'll just, I'll just read it. <clears throat> Is the testimony true or false? 
Basically, is the scriptures true or false? Well, you have to admit they're true. Based upon, because we have to, we have to confess that they're true, because they are. Based upon that, listen, then what of the reality of the one of whom it testifies? He is so much greater. He is not a testimony, but he is the very truth spoken of in the scriptures. In that day, I'll go back to this again. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, you in me, and I in you. And one of the testimonies we looked at in our previous lesson, because it, it just kind of leads up to this Exodus chapter 19, was the Passover. Remember, God, God did so many judgments, wonders, signs, while the children of Israel were in Egypt, and yet, even though these were done, the children of Israel remained in Egypt. They, they were still slaves among the dead, slaves of Pharaoh, slaves of sin, slaves of death, and could not escape their bondage until God, with all that having prepared, I would say, the ground of their heart, God now presents his lamb. And he says, this is your only, this is your only means I don't want to just say escape, but your only means of coming to the purpose for which I created you, for which I call you. And so he presents his lamb, and those who believed, those who believed God, what God said, they slew the lamb. We know they put the door on the doorposts and lintels. They walked in through the door with the blood, and brothers and sisters, they ate the lamb, and the lamb was now on the inside. In that day, you will know, I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. That happened in testimony during the Passover. Whether the children of Israel fully understood the implications, the reality of it, or not, God did a perfect testimony declaring a perfect one. All right, Exodus chapter 19, verse 1 through 4. Verse 1, in the, in the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, so this is after the, the, the death, burial, and resurrection, had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. I'll skip down to verse 3. And Moses went up to God. Declare the mind of God. And the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel. Moses, <clears throat> I would say, his heart above, directed above, comes above. The mind of God is known. And now he declares that very same mind to the rest of the body. And this is what God says. The Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did, not what you did, not what Moses did. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you, I brought you 
because you could not come on your own. Moses could not bring you. We all know Moses' failure before. With man, it is entirely, completely impossible. I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Not a place, not a location, myself. After that, they had eaten the lamb, and the lamb was on the inside. The lamb of God on the inside, at that very moment, God himself brings unto himself. John, now, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, this is Jesus speaking uh, of this same reality of which this testimony that we just read of in Exodus chapter 19 testified. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, many mansions, places of abode. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I, I, I love this. I go to prepare a place. I do this. I will come again and receive you to myself, not to a place, myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Once again, in that day, you will know I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. This is not something to be memorized. This is not something we can quote. This is something to present unto the Holy Spirit that God would make known what Jesus has declared. Okay? Now that was Exodus chapter 19. This is Exodus. Now that was with Exodus chapter 19 and John chapter 14. Both Moses, Moses is declaring in testimony uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and all that he himself would accomplish. In John chapter 14, Jesus declaring the reality of that testimony and what he is about to accomplish in his death, burial, resurrection. If I go away, death, burial, resurrection, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And I want us to look at Exodus chapter 25. All right, so we have Exodus 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, further on down afterwards. Right? Exodus chapter 25, verses 8 through 9. This is verse 8. And let them make me a sanctuary. This is God speaking. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. And you may think, oh, okay, well, God is finally going to come and be in their midst. No, brothers and sisters, no. God came in the lamb, and he was in them when they ate the lamb, whether they realized it or not. All he's doing right here, from this moment onward, once salvation takes place, once Christ appears in the soul, from that moment onward, now it is testifying of this reality. So that the Spirit of God can direct the heart, not to a testimony, no, but use the testimony to direct the heart unto the person himself, the one whom we received and the one unto whom 
we have come. And it is not by our ability. Jesus said, no man can come to me except the Father draw him. It is always by the Spirit of God, always by God's ability. Remember, with man, it is entirely, completely impossible, but not with God. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Here's God showing a testimony. I am in your midst. So they can see that testimony with their natural eye, as we can see the testimony with our natural eyes. So the Spirit of God can direct and bring from the testimony to the person. Verse 9, according to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so shall you make it. Basically, according to the one I show you, the person I show you, you make it as exact and as perfect as possible because it has to be as exact, as perfect a testimony as possible because it testifies of the perfect one, my son. So let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. That's Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 29, let's start with verse 44 through 46. So I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. I will also, I love this, I will consecrate, I will also consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priests. Verse uh, 45, I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. 46, I love this. Verse 46, and they shall know. Remember, Exodus chapter 19 is declaring something that God has already done by presenting his own lamb, by bringing in the death of his one perfect lamb, a judgment upon an entire condition, creation, man. Bringing it to an end, burying it completely, and only the sun coming out in resurrection. That's reality. This is reality for us who are born again, the moment of new birth. And yet Jesus says, in that day you will know. I am in my Father. You are in me, and I am in you. Until that day, I didn't say this, brothers and sisters, but until that day, we truly do not know. We know by our own knowing, our own natural knowledge, but our knowing, my brothers and sisters, is darkness. God and that which pertains to God requires God himself to make known and is called light. Requires a miracle of God to bring our heart from our ignorance, yes, all of our ignorance, unto his knowledge, his eternal knowledge, who is Christ his Son. And so I I love this. After reality happening, after God doing, then Exodus 25 God presenting testimony after testimony, declaring what he hath, past tense, already done. Exodus 25, 
and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them, that they can see something with their natural eyes, that I might be able to direct them unto the reality, unto the true, because I am among them ever since the moment they ate the lamb. Exodus 29, so I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. I will also consecrate both Aaron and his sons, all these testifying of Christ himself, to minister to me as priests. Verse 45, I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. Verse 46, and they shall know. God providing his testimony, brothers and sisters, that we may know. Not something new, like something we never knew before. Well, it is the one we have never known before, but that we may know the one in the midst, his very son. It goes on, verse 46, that, and they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them up out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. The Son receiving his inheritance. This is why I did this, that I may dwell among them. And that word among that I read, it's three times in these two passages that I read in Exodus 25, verse 8. We see it one time. In Exodus 29, verse uh, 45 and 46, we see the word among again. And I, I just wanted to read this, this uh, dictionary. This is the complete word study dictionary. Because among, in the midst, it's all, it's all describing the same thing. But I love the way they, they, they said this. It's Strong's number 8432. But this, once again, this is a complete word study dictionary of the Old Testament. It says, in the midst, in the middle, at the heart. Oh, I love that. We know that while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, that once the tabernacle was built, once the sanctuary was built, basically, uh, I'll use an example here. Let's say this is a sanctuary right here, the tabernacle right here. The children of Israel, they encamped all around it, you know, in the form of a cross. But the sanctuary was in the midst, in the center, in the heart of the whole thing. Yet another testimony of God himself being present. Testimony of the reality that has already come when they partook of the Lamb and thus received their salvation from Egypt. This is... <clears throat> kind of blows you away. Blows me away. <laughs> now, the next uh, passage... Gosh, I love this. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them up out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I, I, I love that. That whole entire time is so that they may know. That whole entire time in the wilderness is it so they may know. So they may know that I am in the midst. So they may know that I am in the midst. And here's Jesus. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. 
You take Christ out of the picture, my brothers and sisters, the soul of man has nothing. Nada. But thank God for God. I want to read a passage in uh, Corinthians by the Apostle Paul. And just one of the things, one of the things that I wanted to mention uh, is basically this. We're, we're, we should at least be familiar with the, with the four Gospels. And sometimes not so much with the epistles of Paul, but at least with the four Gospels. All, listen, all of the apostles saw the exact same one. In fact, they saw the exact same one as Lord and Christ. They saw they were witnesses of the resurrection. Christ himself, the exalted son, the glorified son. And then the Spirit of God chose certain ones to write the one whom they saw. And so what they did, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, what they did, they began declaring the one who was among them, who was sent of God, the one who was crucified, dead, the one who was buried, and the one who rose again. They declared from beginning to end the exact same one. The four, the four apostles were looking at the same person and they were declaring the same person. And I'll just make mention of this. When, uh, when I was first born again, I had never like read the Gospels in their entirety. I, may, I might have read like a verse here and there or at least heard a verse here and there. But by the time I got to the, the third Gospel that I read, and I didn't read them in order, the Gospel of Luke was the first Gospel I read, but by the time I got to the third Gospel that I read, it hit me. And I thought, you know, these guys are all saying the same thing. I didn't know that before. It was, it was like a surprise to me. They're all saying the same thing. They're all talking about Jesus. They're all describing him. My brothers and sisters, the entirety of the scriptures are declaring the same one. Because God the Father, looking at his beloved son, is declaring unto men, Moses being one of them, the prophets being others, and they are dictating what God the Father, the one whom God the Father sees. And that is the testimony that we now have. The apostles, all, all of the apostles, beheld this same one. And were inspired, some were inspired by the Spirit of God to write down the one whom they've seen. The Gospel of John, I think it's called the Heavenly Gospel, he, he more declares the Eternal One. whom was sent of God, the one from eternity, the one who is eternity outside of time. And yet they're all declaring the same one. The Apostle Paul, no different, no different. 
All right. <clears throat> this is uh, before we read this passage in Corinthians chapter 10. I do want us to read in Corinthians still this other passage in verse 15. And I love the way the Apostle Paul does this. He's he was a Pharisee. He studied, he searched the Torah. And I think I read somewhere, forgive me, I cannot remember where I read it. But uh, from what I read, Pharisees were required to memorize the Torah. Now, forgive me, I don't have the reference. I've looked for it and looked for it. And it's one of those things that I should have just really kept somewhere to always reference because I, I feel like I'm referencing, you know, referencing it a lot. But either way, he knew the scriptures. He picked apart the little intricacies and details of the scriptures. I mean, you can see part of his of his Pharisee Pharisaical background when he says, you know, uh, concerning I think it's in Galatians concerning Abraham and his seed. Now he didn't say seeds plural like many know, but seed singular, one even Christ. I mean, that's one of the things that the Pharisees would do. They would nitpick the most detailed, exquisite things that. You know, we just kind of read over. And yet he did this, and God used this to declare his son, to testify of his son. And so right here in excuse me, Colossians chapter 15, verse 1, I'll read uh, verse 1 through 8. And I, I love this. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast, uh, that word which I preached to you, unless you had believed in vain. For I delivered to you, or should be, uh, yes, for I delivered to you, basically, he's saying, I preached to you the gospel, you believed the gospel, you received the gospel, and you stand because of the gospel. You are saved because of that gospel. Now he's going to, I don't really want to say define the gospel, but he's going to kind of Declare the gospel yet again to some degree. Verse 3, For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, and I love this, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. There's the death. According to the Scriptures. Not He's not declaring anything that anything apart from the testimony because the testimony is the most perfect Excuse me, the scriptures are the most perfect testimony of Christ. So he has to use that which is perfect that God himself gave to declare this one, that God himself may declare the person. And so he says, uh, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again, died according to the scriptures, he was buried, and he rose again, the third day, according to the scriptures. Here's where he found the gospel. Here's where he found the testimony of this one. And that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to be present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then, last of all, he was seen also by me as one born out of due time. They all saw the same one. This same 
Jesus. And it's very clear in the Gospels. I mean, even a non-believer can read the Gospels and say, oh, wow, okay, they're all talking about Jesus. They're saying the exact same thing. They're talking about this one. And yet the entirety of the Scriptures is doing that very thing, talking about this same one. All right, so now the passage. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 through 4. Oh, I've got a comment. Forgive me, I forgot my comment here. Uh, concerning the gospel... Sorry about that. Concerning the gospel that Paul preached, death according to the scriptures, burial and resurrection according to the scriptures, I've got my comment here. The testimony of God is found in the scriptures. Or excuse me, the testimony of God found in the scriptures is a true testimony because the substance of whom it testifies is the truth. I'll read it again. The testimony of God found in the scriptures is a true testimony because the substance of whom it testifies is the truth, Christ himself. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. Basically, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to continue ignorant. And brethren, brethren, look at that, brethren, those who are born again, those who are part of the body of Christ, those who are part of the church of God. I don't want you to be ignorant that all, now back to, he's using the testimony here, that all our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Verse 3, all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. I've got another passage. 2 Corinthians 6. 16. This is the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And one of the references that this verse is quoting or is quoting from the Old Testament is Exodus 29 passage that we already read. I will dwell among the children of Israel. I will be their God, and they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them up out of the land of Egypt that I may dwell among them. So during that whole time in the wilderness, God is present in the midst. He was present since the moment the Lamb appeared and they received the Lamb and partook of the Lamb. He was present. Whether they knew it, understood it, comprehended it, acknowledged it, or not, God the Father knows the Son. 
And yet Jesus does not leave us with something so far out of our reach, something so far and estranged as though we could never come to such uh, knowledge. He doesn't leave us like that. No, he says, in that day you will know. But once again, brothers and sisters, it will not be our knowing. Our knowing is forever ignorance and darkness. My knowing, your knowing, whether whether the soul is born again or not, the knowledge of man in respect to God and that which is of God is complete darkness. But in that day, you will know I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. This is God's knowing. This is the eternal knowledge of God, who is Christ's Son. All right. I want to... I wanted to read uh, some verses concerning Christ and the church. And what I did, I, I did a, uh, an inflected search, inflected form search of the terms in Christ and Cristo in the New Testament. And basically I grabbed some verses where it was like, in Cristo, in Christ, back to back. And... We've been reading through some of them. These I actually grouped. Uh, these are concerning Christ and the church. So the first one, let's, this is out of Romans. Romans chapter 12, starting with verse 4. Romans 12, starting with verse 4. For as we have, or as we have many members in, in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, now, verse 5, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And so here, it's one body with many members, but we're one body in Christ. And of course, we can't see this with a natural eye. All we see is like, is many That's all we can see with our natural eye. But to see one requires God. So the next passage is in Galatians. This is uh, Galatians chapter 1, starting with verse 20. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed before God, I do not lie. Verse 21 Afterward, I went into the regions of uh, Syria and Cilicia, Cilicia, and verse 22, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea which were in Christ. The body found in Christ, the churches found in Christ, churches, plural, of Judea, the, the different assemblies of the Lord's body, in Christ. The next passage, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians. I love that. To the church of the Thessalonians in God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. In God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ.
in God, excuse me, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The next passage, 2 Thessalonians. That was 1 Thessalonians. This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In that day you will know I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Paul was declaring a reality that had already taken place for the, those who were born again, whether they realized it, recognized it, understood it or not. He was declaring that unto them the truth that he himself was beholding in the face of Jesus Christ. Remember how the Lord spoke to Moses. You'll make, you'll make the tabernacle, you'll make the sanctuary, you'll make this testimony as perfect as can be according to what I have shown you. My brothers and sisters, God the Father does not present unto our soul anything less than the person of His Son. I'll say this, many of you may or may not be offended. There is no life found in the testimony. And yet the testimony is given of God to bring and direct our heart, our soul, unto the life of which it testifies. That's why Jesus says this to the Jews, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life and they are they that testify of me, a person. And sadly, at that point in time, he, he says the following, and you will not come to me that you may have life. God the Father unto the soul and unto the heart presents nothing less than the person of his Son. Right? <clears throat> so, well, what verse was that? I think that was Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. This is uh, first Thess going back to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, let's start with verse 11 through 14. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Now, walk, I've got to say this, walking implies light. That's what walking implies, because Jesus said this, and I know you're going to remember this. Jesus said, if you walk in night, at night, you stumble. If you walk during, during the night, which is darkness, you will stumble. Walking, my brothers and sisters, implies light. Light above. Remember, darkness, night, below in the temporal realm, the realm of time and space, light above in the eternal who is Christ himself. No time, no space. As you, as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, 
that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. For this reason, we also thank God, I love this, without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. So they, they weren't just satisfied. It's almost like the, um, the Bereans. They weren't just satisfied with a man per se. They would be satisfied with God and God alone. Their source was God, not some man. And verse 14, For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches, plural, of God, the churches of God, which are in Judea, in Christ. Jesus, for you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans. And that's how they were imitators. They suffered the same things that the churches in Judea suffered. But whether they be churches in Judea, churches in Thessalonica, churches anywhere in the continent, brothers and sisters, the church is in God the Father and in Christ Jesus. And Jesus says this, in that day you will know I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. He gives to his disciples an expectation, not for some knowledge to receive, no, no. An expectation of the knowledge of the one whom they will have received. And that's the difference. With man, man's knowledge continues to be man's knowledge, comes short of a person. God's knowledge, my brothers and sisters, is a person. God and God alone continually bringing unto the person of his son. First, the moment of new birth, when he brings the soul, causes the soul to be able to respond, to receive, to believe, receive in themselves, just as the testimony declares. The children of Israel in Egypt, they believed what God said, so much so that they received into themselves this very one. And from that moment onward, God continually testifying of the one who is present in the midst. So, that's all I had for this lesson. The Lord is good. He's always good. Jesus says once again, in that day you will know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. So my brothers and sisters, please present this to the Holy Spirit, our true teacher, the one who, the only one who can lead unto a person, Christ the Son. Present this to the Holy Spirit. May the Holy Spirit use whatever he desires to use, whether it be something from the natural creation or from the more perfect testimony of Christ, the Son of God, which are the scriptures. May he use whatever he desires to use for God's one end, God's one purpose.
Amen? Amen. The Lord bless you. We'll see you in our next lesson.